Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Sat on a tree Down a down Hey down a down They were as black As they might be With a down One of them Said to his mate Where shall we Our breakfast take With a down Dairy 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 Down down Welcome to a bonus episode of the Three Ravens podcast, and this one's special because it absolutely cannot be repeated for another four years. Yeah. Today, we are going to be delving into the history and traditions of Leap Day, the 29th of February. I'm Eleanor Conlon, and I've got a red petticoat and a bowl full of pig trotters, and I'm ready to attend this extremely exclusive party, along with my co-host Martin Vaux. Martin, what are you doing? I'm leaping! I'm leaping! Well, it looks very energetic. Thank you. But you'd better save it for the 12 days of Christmas when you flex your leaping lord muscles because leap day has nothing to do with jumping over or on top of anything or even just general purpose jumping for fun and profit. Well, I guess in that case I'll sit down. I, for one, am actually feeling rather like I need an extra day in February to catch up with everything I need to do. (laughs) I don't know about all of you, but 2024 for us has already been non-stop. Well, we did have a lovely break to the southwest last weekend where we managed to see some sites we've been hoping to see for a while, including Old Serum and Avebury Ring. Yes, we are hoping things will calm down a bit soon, however, because we're very nearly at the end of our first lap around England's 39 historic yep. counties. On Monday, we'll be visiting Norfolk for our final episode in this series. And I can't believe how quickly it's come around, actually. Yeah, it has been mad. But I think part of that has just been 
keeping up with the schedule we set ourselves. We've sort of been our own worst enemies in a way, haven't we? We have! (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we're going to be taking a bit of a break from main episodes after that, but we will still be releasing some lovely bonus content, including new listener episodes and some of your amazing folky flash fiction too. Thank you so much to everyone who's already entered our flash fiction competition. We've been overwhelmed with amazing entries and we can't wait to share some of those with you. Mm -hmm. If you'd like to enter and haven't yet, there's still time. Get us your original fiction of up to a thousand words by Monday the 4th of March. We'll also be releasing Patreon exclusive episodes all during the break. So if you fancy extra Three Ravens content while we're gone, please consider visiting patreon.com forward slash Three Ravens podcast to find out what it's all about. You can subscribe for $3 a month or $6 a month and every subscription helps us make that podcast bigger and better and more leapy. We actually have a Patreon exclusive out today, the latest episode of the Three Ravens Film Club, where we'll be talking about 1984's The Company of Wolves. So prepare your ears for a lot of howling. Yes, apologies about that. Um, No apologies for me. (laughs) Our new newsletter will also be coming out tomorrow and it'll be packed full of folk customs for the month, a magic spell and a tarot spread, recommendations of things we've been enjoying and lots more besides. Otherwise, if you want to keep abreast of where we've been flapping our ink dark wings, and what we've been up to you can find us on social media at facebook.com forward slash three ravens podcast instagram at three ravens podcast and x at three ravens pod and of course we have the three ravens podcast group on facebook which is always full of lovely chat and interesting things so it is leap day today like election terms it only occurs every four years and we gain from it an extra day of february who decided this who wanted this in my view february has gone on far too long already Interestingly, a petition has actually been mounted to move the extra day in a leap year to June to give us an extra day of summer instead. Clever. It hasn't got very far. So do we actually know why this happens in February? We do. It fits into the fine old Roman tradition of messing with the second month of the year. All right, let's backtrack a little then. Why do we need a leap day at all? And who started this madness? So we add the extra day to the calendar every four years, essentially to ensure that our calendar stays roughly in line with the Earth's movement around the sun. (sighs) We have 365 days in the calendar, but it actually takes Earth slightly longer to orbit the sun than that. It takes 365.2421 days. (laughs) And this may feel like not that much to worry about, but imagine the effect after hundreds of years of this happening. The extra days added in to kind of make up the lost time and get the calendar back in sync with the movements of the planets. Also, rather pleasingly, it's the last day of meteorological winter in the Northern Hemisphere, so we can officially say winter's over tomorrow. Well, hooray, even though leap day has meant that winter has been prolonged by a day. Yes. (laughs) So did all this start? Yes, how did it start? Well, we have what Samuel Pepys might have described as a sad and ugly pickle <laughs> had he been alive in the ancient world, especially at the hands of the early Romans. While some other ancient calendars, including the Chinese, Buddhist and Hebrew calendars, indicated the position of the moon as well as the sun, they regularly required intercalary or interstitial months to keep them on track. But these had no real rhyme or reason. They were not regular. So how on earth did ancient civilizations manage to stay on track? I'm presuming, because we obviously get the word month from the moon, right? So is it all lunar? Basically... 
they did not stay on track. Oh, right. Okay. The whole thing is couched in uncertainty and vagueness. Excellent. And we've discussed the early Roman calendar before on the podcast. But to summarise, it consisted of just 10 months with an extremely loosely defined period of winter after those 10 months, not recorded in the calendar, which meant that the calendar and the actual lunar solar year had... Less in common than perhaps they should have. Yes, we chatted about this on our Valentine's Day episode, didn't we? I did quite a bit of research into the Roman calendar. Yes, and as you said then, the uncertain winter mess was replaced by two new months, January and February. But that still didn't really sort out the chaos which had happened when the calendar and the year had unconsciously uncoupled. I have to say, I feel like lately I've been an uncertain winter mess. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, a few people could probably identify with that. But so to compensate for this mess, they inserted an extra intercalary month called Mercedonius to help make up the difference. They did, yeah. But rather than putting Mercedonius in between months, like sensible people, they stuck its 23 mysterious days right in the middle of February. Now, one wonders who thought that was a good idea, like stuffing some extra days just into a month. Fatten up February yeah. with this Mercedonius. And I've been clear <laughs> enough, I feel, on the podcast. February's the worst month. I'm sorry if your birthday is in February. I'm sure it's a very special highlight of what is an otherwise terrible time of year. But February, it's rubbish, isn't it? Even once Mercedonius had been decided on as a concept, they couldn't quite decide when to hold it. Mm. And its dates became subject to corruption, Corruption. sorry to say. Yeah, so basically it was down to the consuls when Mercedonius would be held each year. And they often just abused their power to shorten or extend the year for political gain. Can you imagine? I think if it was me, I'd probably put it towards the end of January to give myself some extra time to do my tax returns. Yes, that's a good idea, actually, Mm. Uh-huh. return month yep. <laughs> when and it was complete chaos until conqueror salad eater and all-round scheduling hero julius caesar came along nice and decided that macedonius when we feel like it wasn't actually an acceptable way to run a new style empire good old julius kaiser so while in egypt caesar became impressed by well a number of things but one of them was the egyptian <laughs> solar calendar with its fancy 365 days and astronomy ordained into calorie months He decided to adopt it with a key change that he cooked up with the philosopher Sosigenes of Alexandria. The adding of a day to every fourth year rather than relying on the stars. Ah. And because all Romans apparently hated February and wanted to confuse it, they decided this day would be tacked on to the end of the second month of the year. Right. And it took an initial year to fix the mess. So the year 46 BC had some wild extra long months (laughs) just kind of shoved into it. But then the Julian calendar was formally adopted on January the 1st, 45 BC. Well done, Julius Caesar, sorting things out. And so I'm guessing after that, time was forever more fixed. No more problems, right? Well... Sort of. The Julian calendar more or less fixed things. And it wasn't until the 16th century that philosophers and astronomers noticed that time was still a little bit slippery. Mm. They realised it was due to Sosigenes' calculations being slightly off. He had thought that a solar year lasted for 365.25 days. Yeah. Well, that's quite close, isn't it? What was the mass that you said? It's very close, but he overestimated by a crucial 11 minutes. (laughs) What? 
I mean, come on, that's just a rounding error, surely. <laughs> well, one wonders. But anyway, the Catholic Church started to get involved because they felt the 11 minutes was quite important. <sighs> and good old Pope Gregory Thirteenth decided that he would actually rather prefer a calendar with his own name on it than a nasty heathen Roman calendar. <laughs> he did keep Leap Day, though, but it was removed from centurial years not divisible by 400. Oh, of course, yeah. What Which does that even seems mean? seems a confusing way to go <laughs> yeah. about things, but more or less works. I know the more or less works. Yeah, what? so if you can divide the year by 400, no Leap Day. Uh-huh. Oh, God. This feels so and chaotic. Even then... But also so anal. What's even going then, on? it's still a tiny bit off. Oh, no. But nobody will have to worry about correcting it for quite some time, as it's only wrong by about a day every 3,030 years. Well, I'm going to say that that probably won't be our problem. I mean, even as vampires who have lived for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah, I think 3,030 years, it's not going to affect yeah, us. We're going to be staked easy, by it? then, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> Although it was actually quite scientific when it came down to it, the church also had a more fanciful explanation for how Leap Day came about. They also sometimes referred to it as the bisextus. Oh, that sounds fun. It does sound fun. <laughs> or the bisextile. Yes. Um, oh, that sounds even more fun. <laughs> <laughs> they asserted that it had come about when the biblical figure Joshua prayed to God for the sun to stand still for one day so he could sweep the heathens from the land. I mean, of course, <laughs> of course, totally plausible. Why he couldn't do this on any day, I'm not yeah. sure. But uh, the incident is in the Bible, in the book of Joshua, chapter 10, verses 12 to 14, if you'd care to verify it. Oh, well, if it's in the Bible, then we can read it as fact, <laughs> can't we? And that's nowhere near as exciting as the name suggested. <laughs> Interestingly, if Mr. Elon Musk does manage to realise his dream of colonising Mars, yeah. Martian leap years would need to be much more frequent because it takes approximately 668.6 days for Mars to revolve around the sun. So that imbalance would require six years in every 10 to be leap years. Well, that's a whole load of leap days, isn't it? It is. And I think Elon Musk should take that into consideration when making his plans. Well, that's one thing Elon Musk is known to be, isn't it? Considerate. <laughs> yes. And I think if each leap day celebration on Mars included some of the traditional observances we're going to talk about, it would probably cause a lot of trouble too. Oh, excellent. Good. <laughs> now, you know, whenever I think about leap days, I just think about how rubbish it must be if your birthday falls on a leap day. Imagine only getting to celebrate your birthday every four years. Like, would you move it to one of the surrounding days or both of the surrounding days? Or would you save all your money up to have a huge party every four years and only get a quarter as old as anyone else? I think I'd do that. It could be really fun to have a massive party every four years. Yeah. But actually, there are only about five million people who share in those dubious celebrations. There are really quite low odds of being born on Leap Day. Mm. However, if you're one of them, you can call yourself a Leapling, which I think sounds like some sort of fairy species. <laughs> and you can also join the Honour Society of Leap 
day babies. I mean, it's nice that they have a society, but a leapling sounds like you're a half frog toad. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? I think, I think it's a brilliant term. <laughs> <laughs> the Guinness Book of Records has also recorded various leap day world record holders, including a family which produced three consecutive generations born on February the 29th. Oh my. And the number of children born on February the 29th in the same family. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm thinking that family must have had a really special occasion that they like to mark to conceive babies nine months before indeed mm. someone's wedding anniversary is going to line up there isn't it <laughs> yeah in our family we always get married on the same day and it just so works out <laughs> Ooh, and um, in the town of Anthony, texas a four-day long celebration is held around each leap day ever since 1988 when Anthony was declared leap year capital of the world what leap year capital of the world why why well i think just because two ladies from Anthony who were born on leap day lived there oh. and decided it would be nice to run a big birthday party for all those people who had to wait four years i mean that's great that's very public spirited of them but also is it great to be known as the leap year town i don't know I don't know. Anyway, it is. It is. You can attend. So if you're anywhere near Texas around this time of year, you can probably have some fun and attend the festival. February the 29th is also St. Oswald's Day. Now, we love a strange saint's day here in the Three Ravens Nest. So I naturally had to look into the life of Oswald. And so was he a miraculous, helpful saint or one of those kind of awful death martyred saints? What's the deal? Um, Awful death saint with a side order of posthumous miracles. Oh, so he did some after he was yeah, dead. Yeah, none, none in the lifetime, but oh. a few, few after death. He has actually cropped up for us before as well. Oswald of Northumbria was a 7th century king who united Benicia and Dira and also helped promote the spread of Christianity through Anglia okay. at the time. And he had visions, particularly of St. Columba, apparently, who visited him before battle to tell him he'd be victorious, which is quite nice, very yes, helpful. lovely. Although... She didn't pop up before the ill-fated Battle of Massafelt, where Oswald came a cropper at the hands of our old friend Pender of Mercia Pender, in 642. Pender, Pender. So the pagan Mercian armies, as uh, led by Pender, yeah. dismembered Oswald and strung the various parts of him up on a tree to be eaten by birds. I remember this, yes. Yes. Or in the case of his right arm carried off by a raven to a sacred ash tree. And a spring emerged from the tree uh, where the arm was left and was capable of healing wounds, as was dirt taken from the site where Oswald had died, apparently. Fantastic. So dying in battle and then maybe lending healing properties to a spring. Uh, Not really miracles, Oswald, I'm going to say. There's a bit more. Uh, When some of his bones were recovered and moved, a pillar of light appeared over the bone wagon and shone up into the sky. <laughs> the bone wagon. I mean, what else would you call a conveyance that moves saintly bones? Oh, yeah, I was just thinking about, you know, teenage boys and what they might call their first car. Anyway, <laughs> carry on. <laughs> Martin. Yes. Eventually, yes. Oswald's head was interred in Durham Cathedral. Probably. Oh, probably. Probably. I say probably because there are at least four other heads of St. Oswald in various parts of Europe, where he was, to all reports, quite popular. It was quite a cult of Oswald um, in the medieval period. Well, who knows? He could have been four-headed. Maybe that helped him in his he battle tactics. He could have tactics. been. And, and, you know, you could see why Pender's armies would want to dismember him, obviously yeah. thinking him some terrifying four-headed demon. That's it. Get the monster! Chop, he- chop, chop. 
He was a uh, somewhat divided man, St. Oswald, actually. Well, evidently, yes. As, uh, one of his arms, possibly not the same one as the raven took, ended up in Peterborough Abbey, not having rotted. So it was miraculously uncorrupted Incredible. many years after his death. And they built it its own chapel there. Its own chapel? Yes. Well, that's very nice. And, and I'm guessing that this arm made its own way, like thing from the Adams family? Unclear. Possibly also loaded into a bone wagon. Okay. Uh, but history has forgotten that detail. The chapel's quite interesting actually it is a really tiny space which yeah. can only be accessed by a very narrow steep staircase and there's only room for one monk to stand guard over the arm wow. and there's not room for him to sit down or sleep so you have because, to stand there yeah you have to stand there because people thought that if the arm was left unattended something bad might happen <laughs> we don't know what just something Amazing. bad so what's it is it called the chapel of the arm <laughs> I think it might be called the Chapel of the Arm. I think it's called the Chapel of St. Oswald. Oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. But Eleanor, this was leap day long before St. Oswald was in short trousers. And I want to hear about some folky customs. We've got all day after all, and I want to celebrate. And celebrate we shall with some excellent traditions and superstitions right after this. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule and of course the cost well better help can solve those problems it's totally online and built around your schedule it's surprisingly affordable too. connect with a credentialed therapist by phone video or online chat all from the comfort of your home Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So, I have always thought the key custom on Leap Day was that women were allowed to propose marriage to men. It was like the only time where it was seen as socially acceptable to do so. Is there any truth in that? It is an interesting idea, which is fairly old in origin, I think the basic justification for it is that it balances the traditional roles of men and women when it comes to marriage proposals in the same way that Leap Day every four years balances the calendar. Yeah, I mean, that seems incredibly outdated at this point in time. It is indeed, although the association of Leap Day with reversing gender roles has persisted. Really? Yes, I was speaking to somebody just the other day who had proposed to her husband, but she would only do it on leap day that's so cute yeah i really didn't think this would hold much water in the modern world actually so i looked at some research on the subject and i was quite surprised to discover that the notion that it's the man's role to propose is still fairly widespread Mm. even now However, a survey of women who were keen to propose this year, so today, uh, cited a variety of reasons for wanting to propose on Leap Day. 40% of the women surveyed simply said they wanted to surprise their partner, which is very nice. Yeah. While 39% said they didn't believe that only men can propose. 
No. 17% found it empowering, while 14% said that they were getting fed up of waiting for their partner to pop uh, a question. Uh, uh, well, congratulations if you did propose today and were accepted. That's a point, though. If you get married on a leap day, how often do you celebrate your wedding anniversary? It must be similar to the birthday thing. <sighs> I am naturally pretty unhappy with the notion that only men can propose, as it harks back to a time when women were regarded as property without the power to take their own lives into their hands but we still see a persistence of the same attitudes now don't we well perhaps although a 2023 survey of unmarried men found that 70 percent of men would be thrilled if their female partners proposed to them so i do wonder why we're still clinging on to this notion that it's the fella's job except on leap day of course yeah and so when was it generally decreed that it was all right for ladies to even propose on leap day well sources suggest that the custom comes from fifth century Ireland as a result of a discussion between St. Bridget of Kildare and St. Patrick. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Mm. you're already quite sceptical about this, aren't you? Bridget was apparently a bit concerned that women were having to wait too long for proposals of marriage and were just sort of stuck in their parents' homes for longer and longer and longer. So she asked her pal St. Patrick if he would decree that women could propose to men too. And Patrick sort of agreed, with the caveat that it could only happen once every four years on Leap Day. Oh, what's the issue, St. Patrick? What's your problem? Honestly, one could probably write a book entitled St. Patrick's Problems. Good one at this point in time. <laughs> yes, that's true. Anyway, this decree, which may or may not have been issued by the legendary St. Patrick, became known as the Ladies' Privilege, mm-hmm. and Leap Day was also known as Bachelor's Day in some places. The tradition made it over the Irish Sea to Scotland and England, and that's when things start to get interesting. I'm just going to say right now, before we advance any further, that the likelihood of this story being based in truth, it it does seem unlikely to me. And this is because the historical St Bridget, if she was real, and St Patrick, lived at completely different times. Yes. So, yeah. Even if we stretch our credibility to say that they were both saints and thus touched by the hand of God and may have had preternaturally long lives (laughs) or seen each other in dream visions or, you know, there are are many ways this could work. Yeah, maybe it was like Quantum Leap. You know, maybe one of them was a time traveller. Exactly. And just kept journeying back and forth. Yeah, and visions, Martin. Of course, visions. Yeah, of course, visions. (laughs) Anyway, so do we know if ladies really took advantage of their privilege to do this. Well, they certainly did, because a materialistic twist was added. Really? Yes. If a woman proposed to a man on leap day and he wanted to refuse for whatever reason, he actually had to pay her a penalty. Yes, I've heard a little bit about this and think I alluded to it slightly in our Valentine's Day episode. Yes. And these penalties varied, but would usually involve some financial cost to the man. He might have to buy the woman 12 pairs of gloves, one for each month of the following year. I see, yep. And the intention with that was that the poor rejected woman would then be able to wear the gloves to hide the embarrassment of having no engagement. Oh, that's slightly tragic. But also, I have to say, if I was a really obnoxious woman, I'd go around on leap day just proposing to every man I could possibly find, knowing they'd all say no. You'd get your bluff called sooner or later, though, wouldn't you? Maybe, but that's okay. I still get married and then they'll probably break the engagement anyway because I'll be such a rat bag. (laughs) Meanwhile, I've set up a glove company. (laughs) (laughs) 
It really does seem like quite a good racket once you've cracked the system. Doesn't, doesn't it? it? Yeah. If you're being totally cynical. I mean, if you propose to a couple of different men who you are pretty sure you didn't want to marry you, you could have a whole new wardrobe before spring. You really could. <laughs> I mean, I imagine if it had an effect on the glove economy, you know, if glove prices suddenly dropped after leap days. I do wonder. <laughs> well, the tradition of giving gloves to cover a ringless hand was also carried on in Denmark, but there was a bit of a twist in Finland. The refusing man had to give the woman a gift of fabric to make a new skirt. What? Yeah, presumably to uh, make herself look lovely so she wouldn't be refused next time. Yeah, in four years. <laughs> she, at least she had time to work on it. Yeah, it could be a really good skirt by then. <laughs> Other gifts given to compensate for the disappointment included silk gowns, fur coats, or the refusing man having to perform a juggling trick on Easter Sunday, which presumably would have given the poor woman a good laugh to help her forget her pain. Well, that's something, I suppose. But, yeah, I'm not sure that juggling quite makes up for being rejected for a wedding proposal. I guess it depends how bad they are at juggling. Like, how humiliated will they be by this effort? Yeah, but if you're really in love with somebody and you want them to marry you and you propose and they're like, no... But I will juggle for you on Easter Sunday. On the other hand, Easter Sunday, solemn feast in the church. If you're caught juggling, that's a fast track to hell, isn't it? That's true. So actually, maybe your punishment will be everlasting. Should have just accepted. Yeah, you should have. What would Jesus think? Now, was any of this formalised in law? Or was it more of an unspoken rule of society which should ne'er be violated? What's the deal? Apparently, it was actually made law in 1288 by Queen Margaret of Scotland. Awesome. who also had her own ideas on how things should proceed. She added that women had to wear a red petticoat when proposing on Leap Day and specified either a monetary fine or the gift of a silk dress for a refusal. Blimey, do we know why the red petticoat? It was to warn of her intent. Oh, that's absolutely outstanding. Yeah, red for danger. Like a st- Caroline's come a out. stop she's, sign. Yeah, she's in a red petticoat. <laughs> Just men jumping into shrubberies <laughs> or into rivers. You know like- what she means, boys? when she walks down the street you're going to have to buy gloves good heavens (laughs) it was strange that Margaret Scotland took to this actually considering that in Scotland it used to be considered unlucky for someone to be born on a leap day much as Friday the 13th is still considered unlucky by many I mean, I wonder why Leap Day was considered unlucky. Well, apparently, according to Scottish law, those born on Leap Day will live a life of untold suffering. Crikey! Leap years in general have been associated with bad conditions for farmers, too, giving rise to the rhyme, Leap year was never a good sheep year. (laughs) not very good rhyme. No, it's not very good, but I like it. (laughs) There seems to be this sense, actually, that the natural world responds to leap year in some way. In Germany, there's another rhyming saying, it's a little bit better, um, Schaltjahr gleich kaltjahr. Leap year will be a cold year. Well, we can say with confidence that that has been true so far of this year. It's chilly out. Exactly. Supposedly, it's also common knowledge in gardening circles that plants, particularly broad beans for some reason, grow the wrong way during leap year. Oh, we should plant some. Have you ever come across this, gardening listeners? Have your beans gone wrong in leap year? And what is the wrong way for a broad bean to grow? I feel inexperienced. Who knows? And backwards? Curly? (laughs) I don't know. In the shape of a weasel? We need to plant some, Ellen. There's only one way to solve this problem. Perhaps somebody can enlighten us before we have to grow the wrong beans. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) The Greeks also associate leap year with negative connotations, considering it very unlucky to get married in a leap year, and especially on leap day, because these marriages are more likely to end in 
divorce. One presumes that's that's because of fewer anniversary gifts given by the husband. That could be it. But you actually shouldn't get divorced in a leap year either if you're in Greece, because (laughs) those who divorce in a leap year are said not to be able to find happiness for the rest of their lives. The rest of their lives? Oh my God, that's so heavy. They really don't like leap year in Greece. Right, well, evidently, yeah, cool. So do you think that's got something to do with it being invented by the Romans? Do you think they're just jealous? (laughs) Could be, could be. Stupid Romans with their leap years, whatever. (laughs) There are some nice ways to celebrate leap day, though, which we could certainly try if you fancy it. Well, look, if we've got the equipment and the time, you know I'm up for it. As the nun said to the bishop. (laughs) So there's a really nice tradition in Germany, which takes place on the 1st of May, Men decorate birch trees with ribbons and put them outside the homes of their wives, girlfriends, or just someone they fancy. Oh, I failed on that one. I haven't got you a birch tree. The first of May hasn't happened yet. Oh, okay. I'm the one who's failed because on leap day, women decorate the birch trees and leave them outside the homes of their husbands and lovers instead. Right, so you should have brought me a birch tree all decorated today. I should have. I mean, we have a rowan tree. Maybe after we finish this, you yeah, can go and tie, tie some, some ribbons. ribbons on it for yeah, you. Nice. <laughs> and in France, we might be able to stroll down the street today reading a copy of La Bougie du Sapeur, a special newspaper which comes out only every four years on Leap Day. What? Yep. It's named after a Leapling character. I'm going to keep using that term. Yep, do it. Uh, he's called Camembert. And he comes from a 19th century comic created by Georges Colomb. And the paper has been published every leap day since 1980. That's so cool. reports, it's very popular and outsells all the other national newspapers on its single publication day. It's more popular than Le Monde. It's more popular than Le Figaro. People buy. So if you're in France today, make sure you pick up a copy of its 12th ever edition. That's incredible. I like that it's named after a man who sounds an awful lot like a cheese, first of all. That's <laughs> well, he's, very cool. Um, he's a, a sapper in, in the army. Oh, is um, he? Yeah, and he was, he was born on the 29th of February. And so he claims to be only four years old when he joins the army ah, and the comics about his exploits. Very yeah. funny. I've got to say, though, doesn't feel like a terribly sustainable business model. I mean, you've got a lot of time to sell your advertising, haven't you? In yes, between you have, issues. and loads of time to really work on that editorial. Yeah, that's also true, but ugh, it's amazing that it's done so well. Well, despite only selling for four euros or so if you are buying a single copy, you can take out a truly excellent subscription <laughs> to uh, Le Bougier de Saper. <laughs> it's 100 euros for a century of subscription. Epic. And I guess it just... Features news that it's all right to wait for a while. <laughs> I mean, I've got to say, listeners, if you have a collection of all the editions since 1980, I well, want to see them. All 12. Yeah, all 12. <laughs> I bet somebody does, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Moving over to Italy, in the province of Reggio Emilia, leap years are known as La Andela Belena. Or the whale's year. The whale's Mm, year. Because people there believe that whales can only give birth during leap years. I mean, I know that whales have quite long gestation periods, but I don't think they're four years. Uh, No, that is not remotely accurate. Even orca only gestate for 15 to 18 months. I mean, we could just tell the people of Reggio Emilia, surely. Don't ruin it for them. Okay, all right. 
they, they believe this for centuries. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting how leap days and leap years seem to represent quite different things across different cultures. Sometimes they seem to embody opportunity and taking the chance to do something that might not come around very often, yeah. like proposing to a man if you're a woman, if you still hold by those sentiments. Elsewhere, they seem to be incredibly bad luck and uh, something to be avoided because they're the cause of ill fortune. Certainly, I've never found leap years to particularly affect me. Have you? No, absolutely not. I mean, I can't remember a single one in the past. It's one of those things where people say to you, what were you doing last leap day? I mean, I couldn't tell you. Well, 2020, what was happening? Well, I can tell you something that did happen. Um, Joe Biden became the president of the United States. Oh, cool. That's fun. Last leap day in 2020. Yeah. Well done, Joe. But you asked how we might celebrate. And I think it's always important to consider eating and drinking when you're planning a celebration. Naturally. So... How do you fancy some noodles with pig trotters? Yeah, you mentioned pig trotters at the outset of this episode. Why pig trotters? I, I can't imagine that pig trotters would taste nice. I imagine they'd just be made of bone. Well, in Taiwan, leap years are considered to be very bad luck for the elderly. Yeah. It's this belief that they might die, you know, every, every leap year. I mean, so, to be fair, if they're very elderly, they mm. might die at any point. Just like a stiff breeze could take them out. <laughs> well, on leap day, married daughters return to their family homes to cook a special dish of pig's trotters for their parents to try to and prolong them. their longevity. Oh, no, right, no, 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 no. They're meant to be a really lucky food, bringing good fortune and long lives. It's meant to keep them going for another four mm, years. I mean, I'm not sold on that, but I wonder if it's to do with the shape. It's a bit like a horseshoe, maybe? Yeah, they don't oh. look very appealing. I did look at some pictures okay. of it. <laughs> all right then if you don't like the sound of that i will leave you with one we can perhaps enjoy all together the leap day cocktail oh, yes, please. which was invented in 1928 by harry craddock a barman at the savoy hotel in london this drink is said to have been responsible for more proposals of marriage than any other cocktail that has ever been mixed well this sounds fun what do we need to make our leap day cocktail luckily we can make a very authentic one because craddock published a book of his recipes in 1930 the savoy cocktail book and we have a copy downstairs we do we have it we own that book <laughs> so all we need to do is mix a dash of lemon juice with two-thirds of gin one-sixth of Grand Marnier and one-sixth of Italian vermouth. Ooh. Shake well and serve in a cocktail glass. Squeeze lemon peel on the top. Sounds delicious. Yep, that's all there is to it, but it does sound very delicious. However, if you fancy a non-alcoholic version, you might try substituting Grand Marnier with bitter orange syrup or non-alcoholic triple sec or something like that. So it's got that orangey flavour. Yeah. And some grape juice instead of vermouth could work too. And there are lots of lovely alcohol-free gins available too. There are. Yeah, we're getting quite into them, aren't we? Well, yes, th- we are. Thank you so much, Eleanor. That has been delightful and slightly mad. Fortunately, I don't need to go out and buy you you a silk dress or 12 pairs of gloves because when you proposed to me i just said yes also it wasn't leap day no that's true <laughs> that's very very true we will be back on monday with our episode all about the history and folklore of norfolk and a lovely new edition of the three ravens newsletter will be winging its way to our patreon subscribers tomorrow if you'd like to receive the newsletter, please consider signing up at patreon.com forward slash three ravens podcast. And as we mentioned earlier, you can also join us on social media via facebook.com forward slash three ravens podcast, Instagram at three ravens podcast or X at three ravens pod. And we have a lot of fun on the three ravens podcast group too. Also a final reminder that our flash folk fiction competition is still open until the end of series three. So that's Monday. Please send us your original fiction of up to a thousand words 
words and we're going to read all of our favourites on special episodes in the break between Series 3 and Series 4, Eleanor. Series 4. Series 4. It'll come sooner than you expect. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, listener, are you a leapling? <laughs> Little frog pets. Or are you a lady who proposed on leap day? Mm. Or did you find yourself with too many pairs of unwanted pity gloves? <laughs> If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch with us on social media or by emailing us at threeravenspodcast at gmail.com, which is the best place to send us thoughts and tales of your adventures. We love hearing from you, so please send us an email. We always enjoy reading them. We really do. Until next time, though, while our ribbons on our birch trees are fluttered that way, we'll go this way. And remember, don't whistle till you're out of the woods. Our theme song is the traditional folk ballad Three Ravens, performed by Eleanor Conlon and Ben Harbour. And our logo is by Ollie James Dare. The Three Ravens podcast is a Rust and Stardust production, produced by me, Martin Vaux. Thanks for listening. God sent every gentleman Such hounds, such hawks and such lean men With a down, derry, 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 down, down Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.